welcome back to Window Chats with Robin, the Instagram Live podcast where I sit by my window and chat with very interesting people. Today's guest is Vicky Velanosi. I met her, well, I watched her fringe show. I thought it was great. And then I met her at the Transact Club and we were chatting. I'm like, let's bring you on as a guest. So here she comes. Okay. Inviting you in. This is the awkward part. Here we Mate. It worked. Hi. <laughs> Hello. How are Sorry, you? go on about me. <laughs> oh yeah, whatever. Enough about you. Let's talk about me. Uh, no, you're just you're awesome. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you Ooh, for I having love the me. Lighting. You've got a whole vibe going on. This is not my first Ooh. time. <laughs> I, I know you're. I, I'm struggling. The window light is not working in my favor today. So thank you for for being the light for both of us. No problem. You look lovely. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, praise as actors. Love it. Uh. <laughs> but tell me, how is your fringe show? Two Robs in One Cup. How is it going? Yeah, it's, okay. it's going. It's going good. Um, it's uh, It's been a wild ride to get it to the finish line. And then, you know, okay, it's... It, it was up, it was happening, it was working. Okay, people are seeing it, people are liking it, it's got a positive response. And then after our first two shows, we went into these this string of three weekday matinees. And it's been like this like cat like what's what's the word for like at like a not a cavern, the opposite where it's like a chasm, like to cross of this like big empty pit of like okay well whenever we get to the other side of this that'll be great but in the meantime three weekday matinees awesome so it's it's yeah. it's been great but at the same time frustrating because it is a really good show we've got like amazing reviews like the best reviews you could possibly ask for from anyone who's come to review it and there's no time that people can come and see the show and I'm like come on like please it's frustrating. you know it is what it is and it's 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 been great and I'm ha really happy with the show and uh so you know it's hard for me not to like talk about that when I talk about the show because it's been such a hard um last week just trying to uh weather the storm I guess at these weird times with my show that has shit in the title and tits on the poster uh <laughs> But I think it's a great point that you bring up, right? Because people think, okay, I have a show in the fringe. Amazing. Great. It's in there. But they don't realize you don't control, if I'm not mistaken, you can't control the times you are given and you no. can't even control the venue, if I'm correct. Correct. You can request a venue. So there's that. Um, but uh, yeah, the um, while you're requesting a venue, you, I mean, there's always a a chance that you won't get that venue or it just doesn't work out in your favor. And I know this year there was um, a sort of a lack of small venues and a lot more solo performers, which makes sense due to the pandemic. A lot more people were solo creating. They had more solo work to put up. Um, but uh, I like to think they got into a fight with their partners they usually team with and they yeah. go, no, I'm a solo act now. And then they're competing friend shows. So uh, I'm a positive person like that. Yes. Well, yes and no, I think. <laughs> but yeah, there's so there's a lot of large venues. Anyway, I mean, but yeah, you can't choose that. And I, I think it's, it can really have a huge effect on your 
on the success of your show, no matter how great your show is, no matter how well reviewed it is, no matter like, you know, that can really um, have a big impact on it. And I, I'm, I suspected that it would on this show and it feels like it has. And sure. I'm looking forward to my closing weekend where I've got two evening shows that are at a great time. I'm like, okay. Uh, uh, what times are these for people that are wondering, hey, <laughs> let's see this show. Yeah, so um, on Friday, it is, let me not give you the wrong information. So on um, Friday, it is 9.30, and Saturday, it is 8.15 p.m. That's a good time. Uh, but that is the show. And we have one today at 2.15 p.m. So okay. if anyone's catching this early, please come to that show. It's going to be a great way to spend the afternoon. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Well, so, he, I mean, it's, I appreciate you saying how, like, with theater and going back in person, right? And the whole feeding off the audience vibe. It's so much better when there's an audience to share it with. I mean, I know the positive people that say, oh, even if there's two people in the audience, at least those two people are there and I'm doing a show for them. And I go, no, I worked hard on my show. I want butts in the audience. I worked so freaking hard. And uh, yeah, I mean... I get it. At least the people are there. Whoever's seeing the show, it's very nice. Thank you for coming at this odd time that you are given. But guys, let's uh, show up. Let's who needs to work, right? Let's just uh, two fifteen. What a great time to go see a show. I mean, look, can we can we show the poster again? I know I put it in my poster, but this poster right. alone, this is two robs. I know it's reversed, so but it says two robs in one cup. Uh, what what happens when you're done eating shit? Yeah, and what happens, right? Everyone who wants to know the answer, there is a trigger warning. And yes. that is, Vicky is the model for this poster. Yes. <laughs> the red, what do you call it? The red... Red onesie. Yes, I was going to call it a onesie, but I thought there was a better word. The red onesie is yours, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, I and actually have, I have four of them. There are uh, backups. <laughs> I was going to ask that. I was curious how many you own. Okay. Four, yeah. Um, I had two originally and then um, started to get nervous uh, because they're not very well made. And specifically, uh, the way that it's stitched in the butt, it's like the stitching, they just like stopped it halfway and then like like did a like really gentle stitch right in the butthole. So as soon as I did any bending or moving, it was like, here you go. So not that kind of a show. And I mean, what I'm hearing is this is why you should see live theater. <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen with the jumpsuit? There's a um, lot of a lot of unknowns, a lot of variables. Yes, I'm excited for this. On Monday, I did my you see I know you've seen the show. So I did my bit where I like swing around and stick my butt out. And I heard the loudest pop and felt something go in the butt. And I went, I don't know what happened. Can I do this show without doing it up? <laughs> just have it wide open. I'm like, that's what I'll do, I guess. And I just happened to like reach back. The zipper was still functioning. So I was like, okay, <laughs> we're still in business. Well, all right. <laughs> to explain, I'm not going to give anything away. But there is, so to explain, Vicky legitimately changes into this jumpsuit on stage. Yes. So that's why there's that whole unknown variable of what is going to happen with the zipper that starts from the weirdest part of the butt 
Yeah. And it, it's, a, it's a fascinating garment. I would go just to see the garment. The show's great, but just to see the zipping up of the garment, worth the money. It's like, yes. what, $12 yeah. a ticket? Yeah. 14? I, like, okay, I don't... I gotta... How do you put... Oh, no. I lost the volume. I can't hear anything you're saying. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Oh, oh sorry. Well, oh, do, okay. Does do not disturb work to stop calls? Is that oh, what I um, do? I see. I learned that there are certain family members that I allow through do not disturb. So that mm -hmm. doesn't always work for me. But hopefully they know not to call. Let's find out. <laughs> hopefully. Anyway, I just, I just realized I was like, oh, I was so excited to hop on. I like, forgot that one thing that I was supposed to do. Um, but anyway. Um, you remembered everything else. The lighting's great. You're doing great. You knew how to log in. I think you were a step ahead. Not yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That the the wardrobe in this show is uh, has its stressful has its stressful points, but I think is is worth it. <laughs> but you know, here's what I love too, and this is how I know you're a professional because I've seen I've seen way more shows than I thought I would see, and things happen. It doesn't always go according to plan. Uh, you're doing so many things at once. And even when I think you were like, no, guys, okay, uh, yeah, there's a story here, but I got to finish zipping this up. Okay, we're good. Here's my story. And, or whatever it was, I, I'm paraphrasing. But it was just, I was in it. I was invested. There was an honesty there. And your tone didn't change because you were just honest throughout the whole thing. You weren't putting anything on. You're just being you. And I think that's what really resonated with me. The fact that you could be so open and vulnerable with this story. And I... Yeah, I mean, I look, I love a good comedy. So I'll throw in a little bit of seriousness. I respect that. That is life. It's the ups and downs. And I, I was very, I found it intriguing. I was fascinated by it. Yeah, it was great. Well, I'm glad. I feel like um, it's been, uh, people's responses has been very similar where it, they've, they're like really loved it and also are like, holy shit, I feel like, I went through something because I saw the show. <laughs> it's like a, it's a, it's a whole experience just to see it. Um, and then, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that I was a little worried in the, in the process of it, that it was getting too dark at times or, and, and even like right down to the wire, I was like, I got to do something in this spot because it's so dark right now. <laughs> like I feel myself getting sucked into the dark hole. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> So it's been a, it's been a, a, it's walking a fine line, definitely at certain points as well, where I'm like, can I, I feel sometimes even audience to audience, I'm finding that there's some audiences that get really deep into the hole of darkness more so than others. Some of the, some of the like stuff that I think is the heaviest and some audiences of thought is like, I can tell feels like, so it's so like tragic and heavy. There's been other audiences that are like giggling their faces off through the whole part. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that, I could have been one of those that just, I find tragedy funny and I laugh at sad things because otherwise I don't like crying. So that could be yeah. that awkward reaction of I don't know how to react. So I'm going to laugh and uh, see if anyone in the audience laughs with me. And then you're the only yeah. person laughing yeah. and you go, wow, I am, uh, I made a choice. I don't know if it was the best choice for the audience reaction. It's fun. Being an audience member is hard, okay? I'm just, yeah. I know. I mean, yeah. I'm fine with either reaction. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with either reaction. It's, it's just been fascinating to, like, see how a group of people will all together, like, 
react to this particular journey and ride that I'm taking people on and how, how, how scary it is to get like right to the edge of darkness and then have to pull people back from that. Especially when they're like so willing to go right to the edge and it's, <laughs> it's like, no, no, we're going to do something funny now. <laughs> I'm taking it there and coming back. Okay. But that's, that's the thing, right? That's the journey. You go, oh, what's going on? Ah, okay. Fasten your seatbelts, ladies and gentlemen. You're going on a ride. Yes, that, yeah. is the, that is the metaphor I often work with when I'm creating anything. It's like, okay, what, what kind of roller coaster is this? Um, and I've come up with, for this one, it is Space Mountain. I don't yes, know if right. you've been on space. Okay, so it, like, it's like you're in the complete darkness and you're like, okay, what is this? I don't know. It's, it's, it's freaky, but as long as you know you're safe, like, I, 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 I can't do this show if people don't know that they're safe, <laughs> you know? Well, even oh. in the beginning, and I, I remember speaking to you about this, you do, it, you disc, um, I guess, a disclaimer for a content warning, right? And I thought it was going to be a joke, but it was a serious content warning, right? Because people, you never know what you watch or what will resonate with you. And um, I hate to use the word trigger, but that seems to be the catch-all word. And you don't want anyone to go to a place where they can't come back from after seeing your show. And I thought that was really great to say. And I know even on the Fringe website, it has the little icons, but even to just say it again, just so everyone knows, it's like, okay, if you feel like you can't handle it to leave. Because you know, you feel awkward if you're in a show and you go, uh, this is really not resonating with me, I have to leave, but I don't wanna hurt the yeah. performer's feeling. You go, okay, well, you're not gonna hurt my feelings, save yourself, uh, but I thought that was, I thought that was nice. I don't it's, know if nice is the right word, but professional, maybe? Yeah. Nice. Oh, you're so, you're so sweet to warn people. Hey, guys. I'm going to be going uh, going in some places. Okay. Yeah. I, mm -hmm. Like, the this this is, like, I, I've, like, I was like, what am I going to put on the back of my postcard? And I asked a couple people, I'm like, do you have any, do you have your postcard ready? Like, I'm going to print mine. Do you want to put your stuff on the back of mine? And it just, people were like, oh, I don't even have it ready yet. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I think I have it back for mine. And I was like, okay. So I'm like, what am I going to put on the back of this postcard? Like, I'll put everything so nicely on the front. And then it is the fake like, third award. I very much I know what that. I'm putting on the back. I'm putting my backside on the backside, which is fucking funny. I'm like, oh, thank you, people who would not put their thing on the back of my card because that is a gift. <laughs> I saw that and I go, I'm seeing the show. I, Good, I think yeah. I've seen another show before and then people are handing out the flyers, posters. What do they call it? The little cards? Postcards? Yeah. Yeah. Postcards. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm intrigued. There's a butt. Okay. A derriere, if you will. Yeah. And I mean, but how I did How know. does that photo shoot work? I'll show you. This is, you, so I, this is my backdrop. Oh my goodness. <laughs> my permanent yes. backdrop. And then I have a camera and I just put the timer on it and did it myself. <laughs> so That's incredible. Just did, uh, did some photos and they weren't ever meant to be like the official photos. I just needed some to start off with. And then I was like, well, actually these kind of work for everything. So just kept it. Um, and this was a joke. I was like, what does the butt actually look like in this thing? <laughs> So that was why I took this photo. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, all right, okay, it works. I think this is a good, it, good shot, good promo shot. Um, I think it, yeah, it grabs your attention. But uh, yeah, the the 
the, the trigger warning did need to go on the back. So, I mean, they made it into a bit of a joke, but then it does go into, you know, okay, actually content warning. Like there is a lot of heavy stuff that we, and, and content that we do talk about. Um, and I know there's this line of like, how do you inform people and, and give them enough warning and give them enough um, enough information so that they can make an informed choice about whether or not they're going to see your show. Um, and yeah, it's tough without like making that a, what your show's about or like, like how do you make it fr so front and center that you can't ignore it without kind of making that what the show's about or what the, you know, what the moment's about or what the promo's about and, and coloring everyone's entire experience. Um, and yeah, I'm, it's a fine line. And uh, I think with this show particularly, I found out, and I know we talked about this before, but at the Fringe Tent, um, that the, the the content warnings are very important and that Fringe was not taking it, the Fringe Festival was not taking it as seriously as I was, even, even though like there were things that I found out I needed to do extra. They, I was like, cool, you have to give these out to everybody. And then they just didn't. And that caused some some issues where it could have been uh, they could have been solved. People could have been more prepared for what they were going to see. Um, and I think it's a, a learning experience for for me, but also I think should be for anybody who is doing the fringe, especially with a new creation, because you don't really know until you put it up how people are going to react. And you know, you do your best guessing, <laughs> but like it's really hard to know. It, it, like the I've been thinking a lot about the festival itself and like, okay, it it's, there's no chance I would have put up this show on my own, you know, like, and actually got it to the finish line in the way that it is without the edit, without the pressure and without the actual like structure of, Hey, it's happening at the fringe and it's, you know, the deadline is here. You have to do it. So. Um, Wait, did you just get into the lottery and then write the show? How did this process oh, yeah. create it? Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I, but the thing is, it's so hard. I've gotten in. I've applied every year for the last twelve years, and I and I've. This is the third time that I've gotten into the festival. So wow. Like, I've, and I feel like actually that's pretty good, considering how long some people will apply for and not get in. So you can't really create something and then apply because it could be it could be ten years before you get a spot. So. True. I don't know. So you apply just for those who don't know. You apply September. That um, seems that seems wrong. When do you apply? I, this year it was really late. I feel like maybe applications were like December, and then they found out in January. But we used to find out in December pre-pandemic okay. times. So um, yeah, but uh, you you apply, you find out, they give you your spot if you if you get into the lottery. And this year, um, they had. A whole bunch of um, of people who had gotten a slot for the 2020 Toronto Fringe and weren't able to do it, and they'd said, "Okay, we're going to carry over your spot into the next time we can actually do the festival." Right. So there were so many few spots, so many fewer spots, so less fewer, more fewer, uh, fewer spots in general. more fewer. Yeah. More <laughs> seems wrong. That, that does sound wrong. I'm not many more fewer less. There were less. <laughs> Change the word. There's a far less. 
far less fun available. And this year they did um, uh, 50% of the spots were uh, reserved for BIPOC performers. So as a, as a white lady, I had even less of a chance. I, I feel like there was like, maybe I want to say like 20 spots that I could have, like actually it was in the category that I applied for that got in out of hundreds that applied. So it was very, very like lucky that I got in. So, um, it's, uh, yeah, and I had nothing prepared. <laughs> That's amazing. So you just kind of, so no. if I'm not, you have to put your name and your production, are you your own production company? Yeah, I mean, I've had a okay. production company. I, I, I created, you know, like the first time I did The Fringe in 2012. And, and it's just, I don't put it on promo. It's called Me and Snow White Productions. And I, just because they oh. require it, I use that. But what are you and Snow White doing? The show. <laughs> I've never heard that name. It's intriguing. Okay, that is. Uh, yeah, it's very I, different. It's from. Are uh, you a Disney princess performer? What's going on there? Yeah, yeah. So I do. I'm. That's my my business. I'm. I do have a princess party company, and so. Well, I was joking, but that's fun. What I yeah, that is what I do. <laughs> so I see. I, you know what? I see that. It's like who doesn't? I feel like anyone in the theater has to be a Disney princess performer. That is your rite of passage. You've done it. You move on. So with Snow White, your go-to then? No. Which is weird because Elsa uh, seems to be the go-to when I, I think I did it in 20, ooh, 14, 15. I am yeah. aging myself. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it was from, like, I have a, a good friend who, who, I have a good friend who calls me Snow White on, or like, she's just like, oh, you're Snow White or whatever. So my hair used to be much darker. Um, and then that it just to be lightened out of the blue. So, you know. Wow. Um, but <laughs> like I had, uh, I was also, I don't know, like when I was, when I was younger in my younger years, a lot more like porcelain skinned as well. So uh, that was like, apparently I resembled Snow White. So that was a thing. Um, you ate I, a lot of apples, of course, of course. I am a poisonous apples. So there's also that. <laughs> what? I yes. I have never, I don't, I don't mean to be so excited. I've just never heard that. And that just resonates so hard with Snow White. I just didn't know you could be allergic to an apple. Just only an apple? No, it's apple. It's, um, it's, I've learned now it is part of a pollen allergy. And, uh, this is fun, fun facts. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, this is fun. Apples and pears and cherries and peaches and, um, sometimes other fruits as well. Like sometimes cantaloupe, sometimes an avocado if it's too ripe. Um, well, how are you supposed to be a millennial? That's not fair. I, well, because you just have to wait until it's like super ripened and then it's fine. Um, but it's, it is related to pollen allergy and it just like, it's just like a hives and mouth kind of deal. It's not fun and just an so uncomfortable thing. But if I bake it or, or it's, it's cooked in something, then it's fine. Oh, so it's, that's, well, that's what I, Snow White should have baked the apples. You just yeah. solved the Disney thing. Wow. If she would have taken the apple, waited to bite into it. No, don't bite into it. Bake a pie for the dwarves. Oh, could have saved her life. She wouldn't have met the prince, but she would have had a delicious apple pie. So I think that she would have been better off. <laughs> Probably. Uh, I digress. That's just a, a side tangent there. Back to two robs in one cup. 
Yes. But what I wanted to know, like, just because you discussed that you created it after you got into the fringe. So what is the creative process for those wanting to, once they get into the fringe and go, oh my gosh, I have to create something. What is your process? Um, panic and, um, you know, just procrastination and then um, more panic and then like, I don't know, self-deprecation. <laughs> Sounds like uh, the life of a yeah, performer. You know, but uh, I, uh, this is the first time I've created anything theater wise after being diagnosed with ADHD, which I know like is kind of a bit of a spoiler, but because I do talk about it in the show, but it is true. And um, it was interesting to, I'm learning so much more about myself now with that diagnosis that I feel like I'm, I'm getting to know myself again, where I didn't, I didn't know myself for so long and just like lived, I feel like I lived in a bit of a like, a state, like a zombie state where I was just like trying to get through and make it through. And until I realized like, oh, all of that stuff that I was like, okay, hold on to that tight, don't let that out. Be the, be a good person, figure it all out. Your failures are, are terrible, <laughs> you know, like don't make them. Um, until then I, I was just, I felt very, like I, when I look back at it, I was like, it was very numb. It was like a very, I did lots of things and accomplished lots of things, but I still like just very unexpressed um, and wasn't very living as authentically as I had thought I'd worked so hard to do. Um, so that was a big revelation that has then like informed everything I'm doing since then. And it's, it's, it hasn't been a full year in August. It'll be a year since I was diagnosed. So, um, do you celebrate the anniversary? I, is that a I, thing? I'm I curious. Maybe I feel like I, I like the, the excuse to celebrate like, yeah. great. Happy ADHD <laughs> anniversary. I, you know what? It's going to be a thing. Put it yeah. on the red onesie. Yeah. ADHD. Yeah. And then you just, uh, it's going to be good. Yeah. Happy. I expect I'll put, an invitation I'll put it on the, the butt part. of the. <laughs> it was like forever the canvas of all of my... that. You've got it. You've got the poster down pat. I expect that birthday cards, yeah. everything. It's just uh, classic Vicky. Um, but yeah, that, so the creatively like it's been interesting because I've, I kind of, I put it, I gave myself, I wanted to give myself a lot of space to be really free with this process. And um, in the little times that I created small things, I, I found that it was helpful to me to not put pressure on what it was going to be and not have huge expectations of myself or like, be like, oh, this is a failure unless it looks like this. And so it was a lot more of a free process, I'd say. Um, and then I think what I learned also in this, in this process is it's as I was figuring out what I could ask for and what accommodations I needed and like what was fair to ask for, what wasn't fair to ask for. There was also in that process, a part of me that got a little lost in like what I was in charge of. And then like, I, I had some people who were collaborating on, on the project and that got muddy and, and, and a little messy in there. So it was, you know, there were, it was 
very overwhelmingly positive uh, on a whole, but in the, you know, in the midst of it, it was, mm. I, it was a struggle to get, to fight. I felt like I was fighting for what I needed as the creator and as the performer and that it wasn't always understood. And that was, that was upsetting and frustrating. And, and, you know, it's, yeah, it's one of those things that I'm like, okay, next time I'll do it differently. Um, so it was a learning experience. Um, but yeah, if I, I feel like, to to like suggest to someone else like how how would you do the kind of creative process that I've I've done or how could you try that out I don't even know just <laughs> I feel like no I, that's that's fair that's fair for sure because everyone's you, creative process is different I think I was more just yeah. curious as to what your process is it might resonate with other people it might not there's again there's no chaos. right or wrong right yes <laughs> it was chaos and it was chaos in a, in a, in as much of a protective bubble as I could create, that was like, the chaos is okay. And the chaos is fine. And it doesn't have to look like anything else. I, but, I love that though, right? Because you're going, oh, I'm, some people might say I'm creating something. I'm, I'm not doing it correctly. Everyone else knows what they're doing. And part of why I really like having these chats with people is it's always ends up being a shit show and you just, you do it, you create, you learn, you move on. Because yeah. I know the things I created years ago, I go, oh my God, that was so bad. But you learned in the process and you grow. Yeah. And if you keep growing and you can even reflect on, okay, well, this is what I would do differently now. That means you're growing as a performer and a person. And it's, it's just so hard because I feel like as a performer, sometimes I want to reach this pinnacle of this is where I should be at, or I should be doing X, Y, and Z correctly by now. And why do I keep, even if you make the same mistake, right? It's super frustrating, mm -hmm. but it goes, okay, we're also human. So what do, with your story, it's what do I want to share at this time? Like what you were saying, you didn't create it till you got in. So what do I want to share at this point in my life and create a fringe show out of? And that's what I, I, I like that you didn't create it right away. You waited till you got in because stuff that I wrote a couple years ago probably doesn't resonate with me anymore. So how authentic would that story be? Right? Yeah. Um, I've, uh, um, so I, I, I think we talked a little bit about this that I have, um, I started 10 years ago. The first business I started was creative spaces and, and it's kind of evolved into best described as co-working space for performing artists. So space space revolution is that company and, it's been 10 years of been running space and offering space to people and at a low rate and at a, as a low of a rate as possible and had like thousands of artists that have come through that I've watched them work and watched their processes from afar and, you know, not intimately understanding what they're doing, but then watched their shows and watched you know, their productions and seen things come through. And my biggest takeaway has always been like the, the shows that are successful in a small venue are the shows that are made for the people who are going to show up and they're and even if it is you know a re a recreation or like a, a remount of something else it's still d chosen in conjunction with who they know their audience is who's going to come and when you're brand new and you're starting out it's really hard to know what that's going to be yeah but I think the reality is you are still starting out with the people you know. Those are the people that are going to come when nobody knows your work. So create for them. That's so interesting. Creating for your audience, mm -hmm. but not for yourself per se. Or is it a combination of you're creating something well, you want to say, but catering it to the audience? 
Yeah, I think it's okay. It, it, to me, it's like okay. There's a, a and and one of the biggest differences to me with with creating, um, and what I would see happening is when you do create something that is an audition piece, because that's a specific thing, right? You uh, you want to make sure that you're improving your resume so that you know it, it's more impressive to someone because because your aim in your career is to get hired by a bigger company. If that's the goal, it makes complete sense. Create the work that is going to put on right. your and give you the experience that people are looking for. So that makes sense. Yeah. But if you're going to put up that production, that's an investment in your career. That's not for the audience specifically. So I feel like there's a disconnect where then we don't share that information with the audience. We're like, no, no, it's theater. You should come see it. It's really important. And people are like, this doesn't, this doesn't feel like it's for me. And it's like, oh, no, theater's for you. And, and truthfully, that, that production isn't for them. Right. And, and they're, they're very low on priority to be considered <laughs> for that production when it's an audition piece. And that has so much merit. And there was a production company that um, stopped doing shows. Um, and, you know, she's worked, she's gone on to other projects and stuff. But it was um, Plain Stage, I think was the name of it. Oh, and yeah, yeah. I did, so, yeah, did some stuff with that. Oh, okay, okay. So I love yeah. that concept with Mary Nabbit. Yeah, yeah. That. And I love that concept because it was, hey, Artists need stuff on their resume. We're going to put up a really bare bones production. Do you want to come and see it? And people were like, yeah, <laughs> like that's all it needed. <laughs> like, you know, that's just true. Be, just be freaking upfront and honest about what it is you're doing. You want to come see it? Okay, cool. Yeah, I love that. Awesome. Two Me weeks, put it on. It was like a very low commitment. I appreciated yeah. that stuff. Yeah, but this like halfway point between like, we're going to do it for the audience. It's going to have high production value, but it's like, it's not and never was really for them. So just know what you're doing. Like, I th it's mm. not that it's wrong at all. It's just like, let's, let's not pretend it's something it's not. Right. And then that's what I find important to infuse in anything and try to infuse in anything that I do is like, let's not pretend it's something it's not. Like, let's not pretend that this show is not at the fringe. That's weird <laughs> to me. That's me. That's my taste. So it might not be everybody's, but... I always want to create something that's like, this is going at in the fringe. At oh, yeah, Toronto. your show belongs in the fridge. I, I, the fridge? The fringe. <laughs> Maybe the fridge. <laughs> Be weird. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, like, cool down the, the tracksuit. Let it, uh... <laughs> that, needs, that needs airing out at the end of the truck. <laughs> it's, uh... It's very steamy in there. <laughs> I mean, look, I'm not being kind to the t-shirt or I can't remember, but you know, it's, it's the onesie that's really the attention grabber. Yes. Yes. I, mostly I've never really seen someone change into it on stage. That was the fact I go, because I know when I'm trying to put something like that on whenever I wear it. Uh, but the, <laughs> the act of that alone is just like the most, the process of jumping into something like that, where I'm like, nobody look at me go away and you're like, hey guys, you're gonna watch and I'm gonna keep talking and tell a story. Here I go, zipping up from the back. Hi. Yeah. And it was great. <laughs> uh, there's, more, there's more to the show. I'm trying not to give anything away so I keep focusing on <laughs> the red onesie. That is why I don't wanna give things away. Okay. Like, but like how, like, how cool would it be just to see someone put on a red onesie? See the show, it's at 2.15 today. And Friday, and no, wait, Friday, Saturday, or Saturday, Sunday. It's Friday, Saturday, Friday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, 
But it's true. That's it's it is a sight to behold, I think. <laughs> but I, I I just the thing is it's you you created a show definitely meant to be in the fringe and you you're bringing some serious issues to light which we discussed on how you're trying to you know warn people ahead of time if it's going to affect them don't come which i again respect it's but i for me you know always wanted to make jokes of life because life can be so serious it's you're trying to bring a little comedy sometimes to some serious issues and i find that stuff really resonates with me because yeah you can do a whole hour show and be super serious and then everyone leaves and they go oh my god life is the worst but you just go and you here's a little comedy here's a little fun here's a little fun spin on how i should make a, a choice a life choice and i go that was funny <laughs> did you do you have to get the rights to certain music soundtrack whatnot how does that well, work uh, toronto fringe has always been like <laughs> so okay okay I asked the questions and was never given the actual answers. And I was like, no, no, if no one is saying anything, like there's no, there's no version of this that's like, hey, wow, I'm really making big bucks here. Like, oh, right, right, right. Using the, but at the same time, it, there's, um, my understanding of it from the research I could do, and I'm usually pretty good at researching things when I want to, it was very difficult to figure out what the actual requirements were for the rights to um, to do what I, what I did with music in the show. And right. there's like cover bands and stuff and like a, a like general blanket SOCAN license should cover that, which the venue would have. So oh, nice. it, it was like, okay. And then pre-show music to be played through, through that same understanding. Like it's. Do you bring your own pre-show music as well? Like how much? Yeah, have, yeah. So you do the pre-show music, all mm -hmm. the music throughout. And did you, do you have like a lighting designer? How does the lighting work? How does the. Uh, yeah, it was, um, it was done um, by mostly our, just our stage manager, um, Murphy Diggin, who's amazing. And, and she, you know, was like, hey, this is what I think we should do. And she's, you know, she's like, I'm not a lighting designer. And I'm like, I'm not really worried. <laughs> like, it's not, uh, it's not the type of show that I really, especially at this stage, wanted a ton of tech or a ton of lighting like it, it ended up probably with more than I even ever thought it was going to have, which was great. And I think she with, you know, great additions in there just to sort of spice things up a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, we, we got three hours for tech, which is like nothing when it comes down to it, especially when we're, that's our first time stepping in the venue. We get no other time in there until opening. Right. When you arrive for opening, you get 15 minutes. Hey, you're, again, your first, this is maybe not your second time you've ever stepped foot in this venue. You get 15 minutes, set up your stuff, now the house is open in another 15 minutes, you're on stage performing. So I think it's a mistake I've learned to put too much mm. of tech. And even then we, I thought, oh yeah, for sure. We're going to get a run of this show during our three hour tech because there's, we have so little tech and it was just like, oh, the sound cues aren't working. Something's going wrong with the speakers. It's coming through one speaker, not the other. We've lost a half an hour trying to figure that out. And it was just like all of a sudden, oh yeah, no, we're, two and a half hours in and we're going to be wrapping this up. So it was, uh, it was stressful. Um, I wish that that wasn't 
wasn't a part of it and in a way of like um I'm learning about, you know, with the ADHD stuff, like what's reasonable to ask for for an accommodation. And I was, I was thinking about what is reasonable to ask the festival versus like, because there's the like, something that would be, you know, like, oh yeah, it would really help me to um, have a, a free pony with me during the show it's like, a support uh, of course a support, a support pony i'd love a support yeah. pony. can you provide that please like ha- totally that's valid absurd. request <laughs> it's absurd i think actually it would i would like it would give me like all the like good feels and dopamine where i'd be like this is cool i'm good for the rest of everything else that happens because this pony is here and what the fuck so <laughs> like, I, I mean look at first it was come for the red onesie now it's come for the pony so you're good pony. yeah like but cool uh but at the same time, it's like, okay, so where is the where is the line of like what actually would be helpful? Because accommodations, what I'm learning from talking and hearing from other people speak about it who've been, you know, advocating for this for decades, years, uh, longer than I even knew it was a thing, um, mm-hmm. that accommodations, when you provide them, they actually help everybody. It's not like a, oh, wow, we, we, it's not fair you give that person special treatment. It's like, well, actually, it's because if you just provided that accommodation to everyone, it actually would help everybody. But if we're talking about leveling a playing field, or we're talking about like, making sure that everyone has equal opportunity, then there are certain people who do need a little bit of extra accommodation, a little bit of extra help. If it isn't available for everyone, maybe you can spare the resources to make it possible for a few people who do really need it. Yeah. It's really hard to determine what those things are. Yeah. I'm thinking. Because I would love to be like, as a person who gets very overwhelmed, overstimulated, sometimes has, you know, like a, a moment where it's like, I need to take 15 minutes or I'm not going to be able to continue or I need to take half an hour sometimes the like time constraint that's so strict of like you have three hours or this whole thing falls right. apart. That is actually like the worst scenario <laughs> for me I, in the way that I deal with and my ADHD presents itself. It's like, it's the worst, but ha- to say like, no, I'm sorry. I'm actually going to need five hours of tech time to do my three hours of tech time. Is that reasonable? Hmm. I feel like I'm learning that every accommodation that I that I do ask for, it's often going to be met with, especially with some from someone who hasn't experienced what I'm experiencing or who has but hasn't really accepted that they're worthy of accommodation, because that's a whole other thing. <laughs> I'm going to be met with skepticism and like, mm-hmm. wow, you're difficult, or oh, wow, that's. Or some kind of resistance, probably, but resistance in general. And I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what to do with that. I I wish I I had a like clear path forward of like even just how I could advocate for that. And I think it's just talking about it more is all I can do right now. And and, for sure, bringing up the discussion. So and exactly. But I no, (laughs) the discussion is so the discussion is so important because especially with any kind of mental illness, and I hate that it's called an illness, but anything going on mentally that people that you can't physically see, right? You can't see what's going on inside someone's brain, how they're coping, how they're reacting. And these discussions are so important because like what you said, you're 
you're speaking up and other people, so many other people might have the same issue and maybe not an ADHD diagnosis, but something along those lines that's making them feel overwhelmed and stressed out. And already this process is so stressful. Who's mm -hmm. coming to my show? Oh my gosh, I have to write the show. What's going, there's so many factors that are out of your control that if they can even give you, let's say an hour or two of extra tech time, and that would help every person who doesn't want more tech time. And you put it under, I mean, everyone's, there's definitely going on so many things up with mental health right now. And we're trying to speak more about it, but how do we, how do we accommodate it? It's still not known. So again, like you said, having the discussions, great, but what's the next step to take action? I don't know, but maybe if enough people start discussing it and then we go, hey, everyone's in kind of the same boat, feeling the same level of overwhelm, panic. And yes, I understand that's normal for a show but there's a lot of panic, like red flags alerts to a point where it's not healthy for the performers that are not even just the solo acts, any kind of performer, anyone, even if you're behind the scenes and you're feeling this way. It's, it shouldn't be the norm to feel this way because you're creating something, you're, you're making yourself vulnerable already, you're in such a, a different state of being and you just want to put on the best show you can. So... Mm -hmm. To have a little bit of, let's say, in this case, it's just extra time. I don't know what other accommodations. Again, I'm not, I've never put on a show. So I'm sure there's other things along the way, you know, let someone know um, what dates their show are sooner. I don't know, something along those lines. Yeah. But that kind of communication to allow for people to just feel better mentally and that translates into feeling better physically and putting mm -hmm. on... No, it's not just putting on a show, but just feeling good about the show, right? Even if the show mm -hmm. has the tech fails or whatnot, or not as many people come as you want, at least you're feeling good with where it's at, which I think is so important. Yeah, I agree. I think like it's... I took a soapbox on that, right? Like, yeah. Hey. It's, uh, I, yeah. And yeah. I said my piece. Okay. It's and it gets important. I, I I'm I do feel very strongly about it, and I didn't know I would feel strongly about it until I was in it, and it's like yeah. oh there's every single show I've done so far, which there's been four, but you know, it's been multiple people each show who either have seen the show and immediately after have said something to me or in at the fringe tent or later sent me a message. And they're yeah. like, I have ADHD. And some people are, have had figured it out recently, mostly women. Cause that seems to be like the new um, epiphany that so many women are having just based on the new information that's been available, the way it's come to the forefront. Um, mm -hmm so many women are getting diagnosed, but that, and, and have, it had been missed for so many years. Uh, but then also people who are like, I've had ADHD since I was a kid and I, I've known them for years and had no idea. And it was just not something that felt okay to talk about. And I, I think there are so, so, so many artists who are ADHD on the autism spectrum and, and you know, who are, who are on in various neurodivergence categories who become artists because it it fits with a creative like the creative mind and the and yeah it's an outlet for something all the stuff going on up in here you have this outlet or, this space I, to create yeah yeah and I don't know if we're, we're ever going to know really what the full correlation is but it does seem to really be something that comes up um mm -hmm. uh that made the attention seeking that then you know, is like a self-medication, <laughs> like, in a way, um, for understimulation. And there's lots of different theories. I think we could go, you could talk about it, but why so many 
people with ADHD or autism end up, or neurodivergence in general end up in the arts. But I think we, what I'm realizing is that there are so many more people than I thought. And when you look at the institutionalized way that we organize theater and what we say theater must be mm. and what we're taught and how we're trained and how we go about it, what people write about theater and how we structure it in our larger theaters and just all of the institutionalized stuff that we just take for granted and are like, of course, you're going to have a stage manager, you're going to have a director, you're going to have this, it's going to be here, audience will be there, we'll be here, lights on, this happening. And we have all of this and and the start time is this time and no latecomers and whatever. And, and it actually, when you start looking at it, I wonder how much of that is created by the producing bodies that are not and, and you know going way way back like the producing bodies who were never performing but who were trying to control and figure out how to work with very oh. different brains and this did become a like control thing but that it's it's gone gotten to the point where you can't say no as an artist and 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 it doesn't matter how you feel and I, I think about even just the way I was taught to take notes where it was like shut up and nod your head. And it doesn't matter what that director says to you, you just take it. And I'm, I, that was one thing in this process where I'm like, no, <laughs> like I want, I was thinking, I was like, I want to start the hashtag um, uh, consent for criticism. I think that was what it was. I figured something like that. There's some alliteration in there, but like consent for consent, be consent before you criticize or something like that. If you're going to, you know, it's, it's very easy to say, you know, that was amazing. That was great. But just to give that extra option of like, Hey, do you mind if I offer you some feedback for me? That means I can go, yep, I'm in a space where I can do that. Or I can go, I really appreciate it. And I value your feedback. I'm not in a space where I'm able to receive it well. So can we do it at another time? And then to have that, you know, that space to do that, that's important for me with all of the, you know, I look at it as like, the, from what I know of ADHD, and what I my exper own experience, I can relate to it is um, there's a rejection sensitivity dysphoria that seems to be a big comorbidity with ADHD where just because you're people have told people with neurodivergence for so long that like the things that they're doing were wrong and bad especially if they're late diagnosed there's like this sensitivity and this trauma and this sort of a similarity of PTSD feel about criticism where right. it's really actually very whole body affecting people when you actually offer them criticism or you, you throw it at them. Um, mm -hmm. So just that small step of like, could we do notes right now? Would you be open to notes right now after this run of the show, after this rehearsal and the ability to say, I'm sorry, no. And then the openness to have a conversation about like, hey, I'm finding that I'm not able to give any notes at this point, but I think it is important to the process because of my role. Is there a time when I can give notes? Versus the like, after everything you do, the director's going to sit there and you are just at the mercy of however they choose to speak to you. What are we doing? <laughs> like, why are we, why is that a thing? It's so interesting that because as a performer, I go, well, am I being too sensitive? You know, why can't I take this feedback? Because 
allegedly the feedback is given to help me. And then, you know, you think of the feedback you've been given sometimes and you go, well, was that really helpful? Or was it just kind of a nasty comment that could have not been said? Because that's not going to alter my performance one way or the other. So it's that communication to give feedback for a purpose. But also I love the idea of communicating and asking if you're able to take the feedback. Because, you know, I, I agree sometimes you, you don't feel ready. I, I know for me, I do something, I go, I know. I know what was wrong. I just need a little time. Let me figure out why it was wrong and how I did it and why I got there. I don't want to do it again either. <laughs> we, we both know. Oh, let's discuss at a later date, sir, or even a later time. So I really like this idea. I think it would be, I think, again, it's like an accommodation that actually would help everybody. Yeah. <laughs> but is something that would be so important, I think, to bring into the conversation when you are working with an artist who, who is, who does have any kind of neurodivergence. Um, but it's a, it's a fascinating, um, it's a fascinating world to go into that, uh, and to learn about and think about, I'm finding. I've, I, I've learned so much during this chat already. I, <laughs> I think, I think you're going to change stuff. I just see you as an advocate and you're just going to keep discussing these things, which I think is so important, having those open conversations, because like you said, people are going to come out of the woodwork and, and say, I've had a very similar experience and they didn't feel like it was a safe space to discuss it. Or maybe they thought it was just their problem and no one else was going through it. Much like with anything going on mentally, no one knows if it's just them. Right. So mm -hmm. you, and again, you sharing your story or just have, being open to having that discussion is really going to help people. So I, I respect everything you're doing. I'm, I'm so proud of you. I know we don't really know each other that well, but I'm very <laughs> proud of you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'll take um, it. Is there any, any final thoughts you'd like to share other than everyone should see two Robs in one cup because it's a great show. Yeah. Um, definitely come see the show. Um, yeah, I think, uh, thank you for, for what it is that you're doing The window chats. Yeah. I love it. It's, uh, yeah, thanks. I, I think it's cool. I, I was doing um, Vicky TV uh, during the pandemic and was doing something similar. And, and I think it's cool just what conversations can happen. And yeah, I appreciate you, you having me and like, and please keep doing more of this. Cause I think it's uh you change the world when you, uh, when you share stories. So yeah, thank, again, thank you for being open to the conversation, right? Not everyone is open, and that's, again, okay. But I, I just think these discussions are important. And mm -hmm. look at what your show has generated. Look at these discussions we're having now. Ah, go see the show, people. Okay. Okay, I'll let you get ready for your show. Good luck yeah. tonight. And you've got mm -hmm. a Friday and a Saturday at the, I want to say, 585 Dundas. Am I correct yeah. in the yes. address? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, um, but I've done that, and uh, yeah, it's uh, Aki Studio in the Daniel Spectrum building, and uh, you see this before the two fifteen show on Thursday, July fourteenth. Come see that one. I gotta promote this super quick. Okay, I'm I'm off on a journey. Okay. Otherwise, Friday, July fifteenth, nine thirty p.m. Saturday, July sixteenth, eight fifteen p.m. And then we're done. Back in the Disney vault. <laughs> yes I love that oh that's a great way to end 
Thank you so much again, Vicky, for coming on the show. Thank you all for watching. Thank you to future viewers who will be watching this and have a great day. Okay, bye. Bye.